Welcome to Fraud Busting. I'm Tracy Brown, the Fraud Busting Body Language Expert. I've spent the last 20 years reading people, uncovering secrets hidden in plain sight to find the truth in crimes, politics, and billion dollar business deals. It's time to dive in so you can beat the fraudsters at their own game and build your bottom line. In this episode of Fraud Busting, I'm talking with David Filippi from Bankers Bank of the West. We're going to learn from him exactly how bankers are working to prevent losses from check fraud to charity fraud and even account takeovers. And we're going to hear about the one time that David and his team missed the signs and lost thousands in just a few hours. You'll learn exactly how to use this information to protect yourself too. Hi, it's Tracy. Just a quick thought. What would you do with $4? With that same money, a hacker can buy all of your info. I mean, social security number, credit card numbers, passwords, health insurance info, and yes, even your kid's information. Now, I've searched around on the dark web, and it's a good bet your info is out there for sale waiting to be used. If you're lucky, It'll just be a few charges to your credit card, but smart hackers are tapping into your credit to buy TVs, cars, houses, use your medical insurance, and even take over your banking and investment accounts, effectively kicking you out of your own accounts. You're the one that's going to be stuck with this big problem, have mystery bills due, and need to get your money back while repairing your good credit. Now, the folks at ID Shield know this and have the solution. I've teamed up with them on their ID theft insurance. It's comprehensive, it's inexpensive, and it will let you rest easy. They will replace any money you lost, give you access to their team of licensed private investigators to do whatever it takes to repair your credit score. Yep, they'll do the heavy lifting and spend all the hours on the phone and the time it takes to restore your online reputation to pre-breach levels. You, your money, and your reputation are worth more than $4. Treat yourself like it. Go to fraud-busting.com slash idshield to learn more and get covered today. It's fraud-busting.com slash idshield. We'll see you on the protected side when you get there. David, thank you so much for coming on Fraud Busting. I am thrilled to get reconnected with you and have you here for a few minutes. Yes, thank you so much, Tracy. I appreciate it. Good yeah. connection then. Yeah, well, because it's been what a couple of years we decided since we met when I spoke at your event. Um, and I don't know which one was it because it was Bankers Bank of the West, but I spoke for two events. I spoke for your cyber event and yes. your um, payments conference. And I, I remember the um, I remember them both for different reasons, but uh, the uh, cyber conference was right when we were going through the new Supreme Court justice. What was his name? And there was all the problems. You know his name. And he was yeah. in sexual assault. And, oh. Um, uh, we can't. Yeah, I, I don't recall. Yeah. Anyway, so all of that was going on. And I had learned by that time to not talk about politics on stage because someone gets <laughs> upset with objective just analysis. And so I remember having to do a a bonus side session in the hallway for people who wanted to know the the objective like body language of okay was this guy lying or not and um, anyway so that's why i remember your 
event. But tell me, um, what's been going on at, at Bankers Bank of the West? Because because you're not a you're not a retail bank. So why don't you explain a little bit about what you all do? Yeah. So overall, I just tell people when they ask, you know, we're a bank for the banks. Mm -hmm. We work in eleven different, if not more, states, and we work for the community banks. That being said. Um, I travel myself, travel to all those 11 states, if not more. Uh, but we are everything that a community bank is, except we do not have a teller line. So we do everything else from loans to operations, uh, cash management to merchant processing, credit card, ATM debit. And that's my wheelhouse is the bank card. Okay. Okay. Cause, uh, so, so are you funding the, or, uh, because there, there's payment, um, you know, systems in place. So are you all responsible for making that work for the community banks? Is that what I'm getting out of this? That's correct. Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So my wheelhouse is we're a retailer, a reseller for a larger organization, if you will, that does the, the processing in the back, the back end there. So instead of them going to these large corporations, um, you know, massive, instead of calling a, into a help desk, they call me or two other people. We get to know the customers. We get to know, you know, what they like. We had a customer yesterday. It was her big 4-0, you know, her 40th birthday. And, you know, talking about that, that's, it's those little things that we push. Um, our mission statement is to champion community banking. And that's what we strive to do. Oh, I love that. And community banks are so vital. You know, we get stuck with Chase and uh, Wells Fargo and the big ones. But, you know, the little ones are really what makes a lot of communities go and that's, and really build a small business yeah 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 community banks are community that's mm -hmm. that's the prime thing they are they are small town usa all the way up to denver you know we have community banks here in denver as well so oh yeah so okay let's let's get to know you a little bit for everybody in the audience and i thought of the name that we couldn't think of it was kavanaugh brett kavanaugh oh yes yes yes, yes. so um, quite a situation he had there. So, okay, let's, uh, let's talk about you a little bit. How, um, now, are you working at home now or? I, I am. I've been working at home for, this is week eight. Yep. Uh, week eight as of today, actually, I uh, got a call from my boss, um, eight weeks ago or two months from mm -hmm. an airport as I was traveling for business. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Don't come into work since you've been traveling. And then that following week, he goes, yeah, don't come into work for 14 days. And the next thing you know, don't come into work until next month. And oh. yeah, so, I, I enjoy it. I'm spoiled. Uh, my wife brings me food. I'm locked into a room so our four kids don't interrupt during conversations such as this. Uh -huh. But uh, I'm, I'm very blessed and very spoiled. I will say that. Oh, wow. Okay. So are you wearing pants? Yeah, uh, no, shorts. Okay, all right. <laughs> what's the what's the uh, habit that you've acquired during this whole quarantine that maybe you would never have if you weren't at home the whole time? Stretching in the in the early morning. So I wake up still at the same a little later than normal, about five. Mm -hmm. And uh, I go into my closet and stretch and keep myself in the closet until our little kids four and two wake up so that they don't know that I'm here. I'm actually at the office. Oh. Yes. Yeah, so my four-year-old's a little worried. He goes, you know, dad, there's everyone's sick. Make sure you wear a mask and you're safe. And I'm like, anytime I go outside, I wear a mask. So I'm, I'm very <laughs> careful on my wording there. I'm not lying to him. I'm just, you know, not telling the full truth. 
that you're hiding from your children. Right. I got it. Okay. That's right. That's I right. hope you have a big closet. <laughs> well, I get to come out after they go to, after they're awake, I get to come out and I have our bedroom that I'm in right now. Uh-huh. I have a whole setup here that I created a whole standing desk type situation. And okay. But I'm locked away with a fan outside the door so they don't hear me chattering away. Huh. All right. I, you know what? I think you've taken the hiding thing to new levels. So, um, <laughs> Good for you. Good for you. Thank you. Um, have you seen any silver linings come out of this yet, either for yourself or for, for your business? Uh, you know, for our business, it's business as usual. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that's what that's what we're striving to do is is have our customers not know that we are at home. The biggest thing that you know I can I can say for myself is I'm not out in front of the customers, and that's one thing that I love to do. I'm a people person, day in day out. I mean, I could walk into a room and, and try to make conversation with practically everyone. Yeah. But that's one thing that I, I'm struggle. I, I wouldn't say struggle, but, you know, learning to adapt. I'm an extrovert, but you see all these videos of extroverts freaking out and looking out the window, hoping someone walks by. I'm not like that. I literally instantly became an introvert and loving the pro- productivity that I'm doing at home. Wow. So you did a switch and you know what? Um, I'm very similar. Like I, I have the extrovert introvert thing. I can do both. And I got to tell you, I'm a li- I'm getting tired of the introvert one. I'm, I'm <laughs> ready. Uh, I'm ready to see some people and right. converse a little bit. So yeah, I, I get you. There's, there's uh, benefits to being able to switch. And some people can't, like my husband can't, he's in the basement and he is happy as a clam uh just doing whatever he does all day so um anyway all right so let's talk a little bit about fraud because you know financial fraud happens everywhere and i think the first thing people think about when they think about fraud is is a bank right because you all literally have all the money like you have all the money and and so it's because you hear about what bank robberies and all sorts of things. I mean, they make cartoons right. it, it, about bank robbers and uh, video games. Yeah, yeah. So, right. oh, video games too now, of course. So, what I, I know you've been involved in, like personally, in some fraud, like inadvertently, but I also have a feeling that you know a lot more about how fraud really happens and what people can look for, not only like if they're working at a bank, but in their business. So, I'm gonna let you start however you want to, but we definitely want your story. And we definitely want some little tips in there. Perfect. No, that's great. I wrote down some notes here uh, just to make sure I had some points. Oh, great. Uh, But, uh, you know, I think uh, one thing that I want to say is, you know, starting in banking about 13 years ago, I started in in Wyoming. um, And that was that's pretty much my been been my career is banking. I started as a teller and I I highly dislike it when people say not are when people say just a teller uh, because it's not just a teller you know they are the front line literally mm-hmm. the front line or the face of the bank day in day out so i started as a teller um in in wyoming and it was great you know i was a young kid um i guess i, I consider myself still young <laughs> but but was a young young punk is what i like to say i had okay. things i had a necklace um, my grandmother knew the president and said, you know, my grandson needs a job. Would you help him out? Um, so that's what started it. Well, then a year later, um, the president or the bank was purchased by another one. And the new president came in and said, yeah, we got to watch this. 
this this young kid here, he's got earrings. We need him to wear a tie. No more necklace. No more earrings. We need him to straighten up. And I, you know, I was that young kid that said, "No, you're not going to tell me what to do." Next thing you know, I'm learning how to tie a tie in the. Ah. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, you know, and and uh, 13 years later, I love wearing ties, and you know, business has become more casual. Mm-hmm. Wearing ties, especially in small towns really throws people off. Um, Oh, interesting. Yes. I love wearing suits. I love dressing up. I love looking nice. Um, as not today, but (laughs) yeah, your, your pullover looks awesome. Thanks. Thanks. (laughs) I I got somewhat dressed up for, for this. (laughs) Um, but what I, what I just wanted to say that as I go in, you know, I was a teller within my first year, we had, uh, some fraud occur and that being check fraud. Um, I guess you would consider it check fraud. We had a business customer that was a business a customer of the bank mm-hmm. that did side jobs here and there, but would do pay uh, paydays periodically. It wasn't a every other week. It wasn't you know first and fifteenth. It just would when the job's done, people got paid, mm-hmm. and it was it was your blue collar workers that you know would come in and. Once the job's done, they want to get paid because they don't bank with us. Right. They just cash and we'd cash their checks and go. Well, I don't remember the day of the week, but it was it was a Thursday, Wednesday, Thursday type of deal. And all of a sudden we get we get people coming in um, two at a time, you know, one offs. But it, it started occurring throughout the afternoon. And we're like, you know, OK, maybe maybe they, they just finished a job and they're needing to get paid. The dollar, mm-hmm. you know, we're a thousand dollars and above. Mm -hmm. Um, and so they weren't small dollar amounts, if you will. Uh, they just kept occurring more and more people, which was about normal for this company. Uh, so we just, we're cashing them, we're checking IDs, we're writing their ID numbers on the check, this and that we're doing our procedures as, as so forth. But we got to one, um, you know, we're probably, I'd say 10 checks in already. Mm -hmm. Um, we kind of threw a red flag or, or something with the check didn't look right or the customer, the business customer started going uh, negative. And so we went to, yes, yes. So we went, uh, we have to get management's approval. You know, can it go through their overdraft, things of that sort. So she took a look at it, decided to call the business owner. Mm -hmm. That's what threw, that's what started everything, knowing that this is not legit. Every one of these that we've cashed has been fraud. Someone stole their their checkbook, but it wasn't it wasn't just handwritten checks. They were actually typed out on a computer and printed. Mm-hmm. So they looked to us legit. And with that, you know, you can you can tie the business owner's signature onto those checks electronically, which is normal. Mm-hmm. Electronic signature uh, that is then printed on the check. So overall, it looked normal, but that threw the red flag. Uh, up to us as the tellers. Uh, so we instantly stopped. Well, then they went to our branch that was about five minutes away uh-huh. and started trying to cash them there. Well, then they try to go to their banks if they had a bank and tried cashing them there. And it, I, I would say 15 to $20,000 within an afternoon was gone. Wow. Okay. So let's dig into this a little bit. So do you remember what was the tip? I mean, besides them going negative, the, the customer going negative. Was there another tip off to go, wait a minute, something's fishy here. You know, us 
the ones on the front line, we, you know, we questioned it kind of at the beginning. Mm -hmm. You know, usually he doesn't, this isn't a normal day. This isn't a typical time frame. Something just didn't seem right. But at that time, you know, we just didn't question it. Mm -hmm. It It seemed about there was enough things that that fell in line that were normal that that one or two little caveats or red flags just didn't you know we didn't take that into effect which we probably should have you know right away taking it to management and just said hey this does not feel right what's going on you know our our internal instincts even if it was just one of us um, we we did discuss i believe i'm trying to remember you know this was what 12 years ago so right right yeah yeah um but you know, as tellers, we, we probably should have just came together and said, yeah, let's, let's say something and make sure this is, le- this is legit. Just like your, your last speaker, I was listening to your podcast, uh, your, one of your latest ones yesterday, mm-hmm. your speaker said, you know, if it doesn't feel right, it, it probably isn't right. As well as, you know, give them a call. Give, they were talking about wire transfer fraud. Oh yeah. Yeah. Jeffrey Hazlett. Yes. Yes. Oh, mm-hmm. I want to sit down with that man. He's interesting. He is fascinating and you can find him on LinkedIn. So a real visionary guy and thinks big. I I like him. Yeah. Same with the fraudster. Um, I forget his name. Oh, Tony sales. Yes. Yeah. Talk to Tony sales. Uh That's, that's an interesting one too. I, and I love the accent. I wish I had an accent. I only have a Wyoming accent. (laughs) You you do pretty well, but uh, yeah, Tony sales. He was, I had to really focus to listen uh, to him and and read his lips a little bit because I'm not used to that thick of a British accent talking that yes. fast. So, so for people listening, if you, I think we're talking about episodes five and six on fraud busting, I believe, uh, with Tony six and, and seven. Oh, six, six and, and seven. seven. Yes. Yeah. Sounds about right. Uh, <laughs> and Jeffrey Hazlett. Yeah. So, um, okay. So did someone steal the numbers or steal the checkbook? How did, did you figure out how this all went down? Yeah. So from what we understand is that the checkbook or the check system mm-hmm. was, was hacked into by someone there. It wasn't a, you know, a third party somewhere else. Oh, it was internal. It was internal. It definitely was internal. Um, you know, probably from if I, you know, my opinion would be someone, said I could get away with this, you know, hey guys, come with me. Um, you know, let's let's cash out on a couple thousand dollars each. So Yeah, because he's just basically doing day labor with his Correct. with his workers. So um okay, so let's let's talk about preventing this from the customer's perspective, from the business owner's perspective, but also like what can consumers trust that their bank will do if something like this happens? Do you know anything about either of those? Yes. So we, you know, uh, there's policies and procedures put in place as well as training. Mm-hmm. Um, say as a, as a teller, if you're listening, as a manager, as a, any, a, a business owner, if it doesn't mm-hmm. feel right, you know, follow your instincts and, and follow up with that. Just, you know, again, as previous uh, guests have said on your show, follow that instinct do what you need to do to investigate just that piece. And if it takes 10 minutes, it takes 10 minutes. And, and, you know, another person said, pressure them, you know, if, if a fraudster's pressured, they're going to crack. And, you know, we had that a couple of times with 
uh, people coming into the branch that were just suspicious. But if you sit there and make them feel uncomfortable, they'll just leave. You know, we have no in, no idea what some of those intents were, what they were planning to do or or not do. Uh, maybe they were just you know casing the place at the time. But mm -hmm. if you if you pressure them, they will they will just they feel uncomfortable. So, so did you just make them sit on the couches in the bank for ten minutes <laughs> until like what what does uh, so, pressure really mean? Yeah. So, well, so I, this is kind of advancing in, from a teller now to a branch administrative manager. Mm -hmm. So I was in charge of the tellers, the new account representatives at that time. Um, my desk was right at the front of the door. So anytime anyone walked in, I, you know, our, we were trained to greet them, but me being who I am, um, wanted to greet them, shake their hands, mm -hmm. you know, have a cup of coffee with them. But there were a few um, and not just pointing out gentlemen, but we had, you know, a female teller line and then we'd have gentlemen come in and, and just sometimes you get that feeling of this isn't going to be a comfortable situation. Uh, you know, let me, let me present myself, make sure that they know I'm here and I am listening and watching. Um, so, you know, you just stand up by the teller line, um, either next to them in a different station and mm -hmm. you're, you're just conversing, you know, about fake business or, or whatever it may be. Yeah. Um, just to know that they're there, say hi, shake their hands, you know, at that point, and maybe, you know, you start evaluating that individual. What are they wearing? What's their shoes? What mm -hmm. are they, you know, pants? Hat. Oh, so you can describe them later. If you, you got need. it. Oh, That's wow. exactly right. Okay. Yeah. Oh, so the bank's watching us all the time. <laughs> so, so let's, let's go back. I, Cause I have a couple more questions about this uh, fake check situation yep. that that came up does the bank refund that money or how does that how does the business owner end up yeah so i don't i don't know the logistics uh on this one customer mm -hmm. uh, we do i know that we do sit down and work with the customer individually no matter what the situation is mm -hmm. um yeah i don't know how that situation panned out um but in the end he continued to be a customer of ours and you know probably still is till this day Got it. Got it. So what could he have done on, on his end? Like, cause there was just one signature on the check. Is it, is moving to two the best thing to do? Like what's. I would uh, say wet signature would probably be in that situation. You know, we print them out all day, print the mm -hmm. check out, but then you, you should have a wet signature on top of that printed check. Um, as well as, you know, possibly dual, it just when you have day laborers and things of that sort, there's so many checks coming in and out and he's also working. Mm -hmm. So finding that time is probably difficult. Um, you know, so there might have been a, a, a secretary or anything of that sort that was on the inside. Mm -hmm. Wow. OK, so, yeah, two two signatures at least or a real signature at the very minimum. Um, right. And it sounds like I'm betting if he was still a customer, I'm betting the bank made it right with him. I, I think so. Yeah. yeah. Now, now do banks carry insurance for that kind of thing or how does that? Yeah. So there's out? insurance at a bank and I don't know, again, the logistics behind it, uh, but there is insurance for, for fraud loss or for loss of any type. Mm -hmm. um, it just depends on, on the amounts, you know, probably for a couple thousand, it's not worth filing an insurance claim on that piece. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I'll just work with the customer and, and do due diligence on that part. Yeah. Well, now banks, banks write off fraud every month, whether it's payment, uh, credit every card day. fraud every day. Okay. So, <laughs> well, I mean, that would make sense. What's like for a small bank, what's, what's a fraud write off monthly? What's that look like? 
That's a good question. Um, so I work with approximately 20 to 25 banks mm-hmm. on a daily basis, but we have any, you know, banks from 18 million in assets, which is a pretty small community bank, mm-hmm. way up to a billion dollars in assets. So there, there is a huge range there. You know, you mm-hmm. talk a billion dollar bank and in a month they might write off a couple thousand and they're like, nah, you know, that's, that's nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, where, where you talk to another bank and they don't want to write off $25. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, and that's just by choice. It's not because they're going to close because they can't pay for $25. They just don't want to, uh, if they can fight it, they're going to fight it day in, day out for that fraud. Um, so I would say on average per month, I'd say a hundred to $500 could be about average in fraud loss. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's, that's small though. For a little bitty bank, I've heard, I've heard different numbers up to like 25,000 for even a little bank in South Dakota. So, um, yeah, it's, I've had banks uh, last year. I had a bank that wrote off nothing at all. Really? Uh, one, yeah, one bit of fraud. Um, so that was, that was quite interesting and they were very proud and I was very proud of them. Um, sh- you know, one of the employee of that bank uh, really fought tooth and nail for any disputes that came in, any chargeback requests, things mm-hmm. of that sort, um, through multiple different lines of investigation through the, either through the customer themselves or with the merchant mm-hmm. who maybe overcharged, things of that sort. Oh, wow. So then tell me, tell me more about how are you trained in like as a teller or as someone that works in the lobby of a bank, like what else are you looking for, 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 uh, from people coming in that might be sketchy? Like what, can you fill us in a little bit on that? Definitely. Well, this is probably a, a, a big one for you would be body language. Yeah. Um, probably not to the extent in which you go, but that'd be awesome training. I bet we could tell a lot at that point. Cause man, we had some liars in there that, we're just blatantly honest, but some, you know, you're like, this, this seems a little off. Mm-hmm. Just their presence. Again, probably body language is big and things that they say isn't your typical customer questions. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm trying to think of what some of those would be. I haven't been in a, on the teller lobby side for seven years. I've been over here at the correspondence side. Um, but just the way that they present themselves to anyone in the anyone in the office, anyone in the lobby, even other customers, you know, it just is is odd. Yeah, if it doesn't seem right. Well, and also the things that they say, right? Because if they have a story that sounds either too good to be true or just too ridiculous to even make sense, like right. those are the ones that it's the simplest explanation is usually the right explanation. And yeah. and that goes for it doesn't matter if it's if it's in a bank lobby or in anywhere else that you might meet folks. Uh, it could be even in, um, in your business, like in whatever industry that you're in, um, right. the, the, the shift in behavior is what you gotta find. And like, and, and I love that how you're like, oh, just put a little pressure on them. <laughs> uh, because the, the, it, you're right, criminals melt down easy. And they give up yes. easy and it's up to you to just make it a little bit more difficult on them. And, and one of the things that um, Tony Sales said, since we're talking about him, is uh, he said, you know, there, there's been this general disinterest uh, in the customer. And, and he said it's, it's getting worse and worse. 
Right. And so to the extent that we're not paying attention to who's across from us, we're not getting the messages in that, that they're screaming at us loud and clear. And I said, well, Tony, how, how do you uh, sort that out? Like how, how he goes, here's, here's what you do. He goes, ask them their birthday, right? Cause, cause they're, they'll give you an ID. They probably memorized right. the information on the ID. Cause it's probably a fake ID. But he said, then, you know, strike up a conversation, ask them what's their, what's their horoscope sign. Right. Right. And they probably won't be able to answer it. Right. And, and little things like moment. that can be enough just to, <laughs> deter people. So, um, okay. Now what other kinds of fraud are you seeing in the bank and how can people avoid that same kind of problem in their business and, and really have not only that, but have more confidence in their bank. Tell me about that. So the fraud that we are seeing today, um, you know, I asked a couple of colleagues as well, cause I see some, you know, they see others on the personal side or within the business, uh, you know, what we're seeing now are a lot of charity scams. Oh, really? It's, you know, saying, hey, you know, do you want to donate here and there? Uh -huh. um, you know, so it's it just the charity as well as account takeover. Um, you know, again, previous speakers have, have touched on this and, you know, it, it just helps to reiterate that it is true. It's not just a one-off situation, you know, in the C-suite fraud or, or an actual fraudster telling you this, it is legit account, you know, account takeover, charity scams, phone calls, you know, saying, hey, you just got a new or a free, free night stay at the hotel or a vacation uh -huh. stay, uh, things of that sort. So if it's too good to be true, it, it most likely is in many different cases. Now, let, let's talk a little bit. Let, let's dive into each of these just a little bit more. So charity scams, what are those looking like? How can people recognize it? Uh, text messages. I just got one. I don't, I'm not sure if it was charity necessarily, but a text message scam saying, hey, you know, we're, we're trying to raise money for Red Cross. Uh, you know, hey, just click here and you could donate. You know, it'll be billed to your, your cellular phone bill. Uh -huh. Let's make it easy. Uh, you know, as a consumer, as a millennial myself, it's at the touch, it, you know, it's in my hands. It's messaging. I love it. I don't have to talk to anyone, mm -hmm. um, even though I am an extrovert, but still, uh, <laughs> all in my hands, all I have to do is click a button, probably hit two more buttons. I'm done. Mm -hmm. Things of that sort. Now, here's the thing, because Red Cross actually does, they'll say you can text to donate, but they will, so you're telling me they will never text you to donate. There we go. So you just said you can text uh -huh. that goes back. You, you know, you, the user can choose to text this number with this code and then we'll send you information. Not like, Oh, instantly here's the information that you see. Oh, interesting. And I think, I think this goes back to, um, the overall, like the reason this fraud really works is that we don't know what to expect from the organizations that we work with. Right. Are they going to call us to confirm our account number, for instance? Right. Right. These kinds of like we actually don't know the protocols of each individual company that we're working with. And that's why right. this works, because we go, oh, that's plausible. Sure, I'll do it. So, OK, uh, account takeover. This is a big deal. Um, and people spend a lot of time trying to take over our accounts. So talk right. about that a little bit. What's it look like? How can we prevent it? Yeah, so on the back end of our ATM debit processing solution, mm -hmm. we are able to uh, sell a service, I would say, or provide a service, not Bankers Bank, but the, the 
industry behind us, if you will. Okay. Like provide, Visa or something like that. Right. Yep. Okay. As a service where they would contact the end card holder if any suspicious fraud was occurring. Mm -hmm. With those, the individual on the other line, the fraud team, um, would contact the cardholder, but should never ask for any personal information, that being any accounts, any cards, any date of birth, any social security. What they'll do is they'll ask for, verify the last transactions that occurred. So, okay. Oh, that's a good little tip there. Yep. So if the, the cardholder is asked for account numbers, you know, hey, we want to verify your social security, your date of birth. Uh-huh. You know, that's, that's unnecessary and they, they should hang up. Um, but on our time, that's where the account takeover can happen is people get used to these phone calls of, of a fraud team, an actual fraud team calling that when the fraudsters call and they're like, hey, we just want to check your balance, check that you made this purchase. Mm -hmm. You know, that's where it can get, that's where we see it's been taken over. Wow. So then when someone takes over the account, basically they make your account, their account and block you out of it. Yep. There and then go. they take all your money. <laughs> right. Like that's a problem. And change, change addresses. Like they can go, they go into depth with taking an account over like legitimate takeover unless the bank shuts it down. That's right. Oh, wow. Now how quickly do you all usually like, cause you have your, um, uh, bank secrecy folks and they're running their algorithms and their, um, like flag transactions, like how long does it usually take to figure out if an account takeover is really going on? Like, uh, so if it's with, the, I, I know on the debit card side, now there's probably more algorithms on the account side. Now, mm -hmm. when I say card side, that's, that's the, the bread and butter of what I work with. That's the actual piece of plastic or mm -hmm. the mobile wallet, the tokenization uh, mobile wallet that is on your phone. That's where I work. So okay. that in the processor, has algorithms and systems in place to where they see fraud trends that have already occurred or current fraud trends. They're also monitoring the dark web. Mm -hmm. um, happening there, uh, many different things on the on the debit card or credit card side, even um, that they check. So phone calls will go out, like I like I was saying with the fraud team. They'll call them, um, try to get a hold of them. There's also text alerts. Mm -hmm. that that are out there, email alerts, uh, things of that sort. So that's on the debit card side. And on the account side, I, I don't know what they have in, in today's world on, on what we call the core of the bank. Mm -hmm. Account actually is held, but I know for a fact there's there's things monitoring that as well. Mm -hmm. Okay, okay. And so um, let's see, uh, we talked about the free vacation, the free night's hotel. I mean, that would be a tough sell right now, I would think, to people who oh, are yes. paying attention. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Some people would so. really want to be get out of the house. Um, what else are you hearing? What else? Because, well, let me back up. The, the free night stay, that's just a way to get your, they want your credit card to, to secure the, 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 or the, the trip, right? Yep. Um, anything else you're hearing out there? No, I don't think so. I think that's about, that's, that's the hot topics. I mean, there's multiple different, um, you know, with card not present fraud mm -hmm. happening, mm -hmm. especially with people being home, a card not present in general has increased from since the implementation of EMV or the chip card mm -hmm. 
chip that's now on everyone, I'm assume, almost everyone, I guess. I, I have a customer that doesn't have the chip card, but they're in very small town USA. Uh, and <laughs> they just told me this week that they their customers do not want the chip. I'm like, okay, no, we're, we're trying to help you. Um, well, it is in their defense. It is a, it's a change of behavior when you're at the checkout, right? Because you don't swipe it anymore. You plug it in. And like, it's, right. it was, took me a long time to yep. change that. I'd swipe it and they're like, well, you got to plug it in. I'm like, damn it. I just put the card away, <laughs> you know? So, you know, just, I get it. I get why it's necessary. Right. However, it is a change in behavior and let's face it. Um, a lot of older folks, maybe even small town, they're not into change. <laughs> so, right. Not at all. No. Nope. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. So CNP, let's talk a little bit about that card not present. That that translates to the regular person to like an Amazon purchase, right? Because the That's card correct. is not there. Yeah. Yep. Card not present is an online transaction, CNP. That's correct. Amazon, Netflix, mm -hmm. any of the subscription, you know, I don't, I'm trying to think of a snack one. Hello Fresh. Okay. For sure. So. Okay. Wow. So, um, so these, they're buying these, cause there's been so many compromises that every, pretty much everybody's card is on the dark web. Like at this I point, bet you got that from Brett Johnson. On the oh yeah. And I'm talking to him, um, Monday. <laughs> so, okay. yeah. So we'll have Brett on the podcast here soon. And he's just a, um, <laughs> Well, besides being a, a retired criminal, uh, he's the godfather of how we, or, or how, not we, uh, but how, because <laughs> I'm not one, uh, but how, how criminals uh, collaborate in buy and sell all of our information. And so we're going to learn more about that. But, uh, you know, from the banker side, from your side, um, once a breach has happened, like the info's out there. That is, right. they ain't no getting it back. And That's so correct. it's up to all of us to make sure we're doing everything we can to protect our transactions. So uh, the easiest one I'm thinking is probably the dual authentication, uh, right. which means they will text you once, once you have a transaction that you want to go through, they'll text you the special code, then you put it in, then the transaction can go through, uh, which is also a pain in the butt. I'm not going to lie right. however it's necessary yep. to keep things safe whether it's on your bank account or on your amazon account or your netflix or whatever it is but what's your take on those what else can people be doing yes yeah, so just like you said the dual authentication anything that you can verify against it and yes it's a huge inconvenience but that inconvenience is securing your money mm -hmm. you know, hard-earned money it, it may take a little bit longer either through a chip or through dual authentication online, um, but it is is for your safety. You know, if you don't if you don't find a website reputable, you know, do a quick Google search. You know, read up on it. There's so much information out there that people have have shared, so that other individuals are not affected by that by that fraud. Uh, you know, there's multiple different credible websites. Uh, one that I am on. I would say monthly. I try to get on weekly, but it just takes too much. Is is uh, Krebs on security? Okay. Hey, is it K R E B S or C? Uh, K R. Okay. And that man will will tell you about a data breach before anyone else has. Um, so Marriott, Lowe's. Um, I'm trying to think of some some other ones that we had. Target. You know, he he had articles on there 
about it before we got alerts saying, you know, we get uh, MasterCard alerts as well as Visa alerts saying these cards have been compromised. And when those cards come out, you know, it's, it's not just a couple, it's, it's a couple hundred at a time. So. Or thousands. Yeah. I mean, the or Marriott breach yeah. alone, but the, you know, what's your, what's your thought on when you have your Marriott account? Cause I, I travel a lot. I mean, when we can travel and, uh, and I know you do too. Do you store your card number when Marriott says, Hey, do you want to store this on the system to make it easier next time? You know, the answer is no, but for convenience factor, yes. I mean, I have it on there. It pretty much saves it automatically. Mm -hmm. uh, placed, uh, what was it? An order today, uh, lunch order for, for a colleague through, through a website and it said, do you want to save this? And I'm, you know, no, I don't at all, please. And in my personal life, we don't save any, we pay online, but we don't save any reoccurring card information on there. My wife knows, you know, she, she kind of geeks out about it. I may come home with, with scary stories about a bank being hit with fraud, but uh, she understands. And, you know, she's the one that pays the bills because I do it daily that mm -hmm. she, she takes it on. She takes the bills on out, outside of, outside of my day to day. And she, you know, she knows not to keep a card on file. Um, that's the best way, but for convenience factors like Netflix, if it's pulled out monthly or anything of that sort, you know, people like that convenience factor to save it in there. Um, so it is possible, but the recommendation would be to not. Yeah, yeah. Well, it, you got to understand the risks when you're doing it. So Right. Unless so. it's like Apple Pay. So Apple Pay is a whole different world and not to, you know, tag Apple or uh -huh. <laughs> any Samsung Pay may be the same. Um, but my physical, I have an Apple credit card mm -hmm. that they came out with, you know, it was all nice and fancy. My physical card has a different number than what it does electronically. So there's- Oh, really? Yeah, it's, it's the, the same with EMV. Every EMV transaction, the card number may be different, but there's data that, that is encrypted that changes every single time that chip is ran. Oh, so, so back up, let's define EMV so everybody knows. Yep. So EMV is Euro, uh, EuroPay, MasterCard, Visa, and it's EMVCO is the okay. actual acronym. Uh, but it's that chip device, that little microchip, if you will, okay. on the physical plastic. Mm -hmm. So that every time it's ran, every time, you know, like you said, you got to insert it rather than swipe it. Every time you insert that, it is saying, okay, this is transaction number one on the plastic and on the processor's end, how it routes through the networks, mm -hmm. I mean, in the weeds here, <laughs> how it routes through the networks, the processor also says, okay, this is transaction number one. I'm okay for this to go through, ping back, and then it's approved. I mean, there is so much behind one single transaction that we could sit here for another, you know, two hours just going in the depths of how one transactions ran it's it's fascinating how quick how much is going on in such a short period of time but that's you know with EMV that's one thing that they have oh wow okay oh that was fascinating okay so <laughs> one last thing if you could leave people with one tip from the banker to protect yourself What's it going to be? Either the most important thing we've talked about, or maybe like you've left something out and you're like, gotta say it. Yeah. So I would say now I'm coming from the, the, the banker to the banker side. Mm -hmm. And I would say, know what you have as in products. Mm -hmm. um, you know, do you have 
rules that you can write to block certain transactions? Do you have the capability uh, to, to create alerts to the end cardholder? And then that goes to the cardholder, customer or member, whoever it may be. Do you have this capability? And if so, how do you use it so that you can have it? You can get a text alert. Almost any financial institution in today's day and age should have text alert capabilities, if not for the debit transactions, if not for an account transaction. Mm -hmm. That could be an ACH coming in. That could be a debit card transaction. That could be a, a transfer from checking to savings alert. I mean, there's multiple alerts on the banking core side as well as on the debit card side. Mm -hmm. So they know what you have available, ask questions to your banker. You know, if you're the, you're the consumer, go into your bank and say, Hey, are there things on this debit card that I need to, that, that it has that I don't know about? I mean, there are multiple benefits out there for the end cardholder as well. Uh, for fraud, again, if it doesn't feel right, it's not right. That's one, one big thing there, as well as, uh, you know, just be aware of what you're doing with your information, be it card, card data, personal, anything of that sort, especially in today's, you know, we're, we're working from home. We have everything at the, at a click of a button. We want convenience. I mean, I'm going to order lunch today. I need to make sure that that website's reputable because it's going to have my information in it. Right. Right. So yeah, don't give your, your info, out willy-nilly right ask That's your bank what to expect from them and i think your tip about um you know that they'll only verify your last transaction that's all they're going to do over text or even over the phone if they call you like that That's is right. like just knowing that like takes out so much that you have to think about and question like that's the only thing that's going to happen. So yeah, they're going to just going to verify that probably the last, I mean, I've had a couple last three or four transactions. Mm -hmm. um, and if you say no on one of them, they're probably going to go even deeper. Mm -hmm. you know, they say, did you do this? You know, transaction number one? Yes. Did you do transaction number two? No. Okay. Let's see how much of these after that did you not do? So yeah, they, sh they will, they should only ask for transaction information within the, within the card itself. So. Oh, perfect. Well, David, I got to tell you, thank you so much for chatting a little bit. You've really been a wealth of information. I mean, <laughs> I know I learned some things and, and I'm sure everybody listening has too. So how can people get a hold of you if they have little questions or, or just connect with you? What's the best way? I would say LinkedIn. I don't have social media, any other form or fashion besides LinkedIn. I'm that one millennial uh, that does not have Instagram or Facebook or Snapchat. You're or letting all your generation down. Hey, I'm okay with that. <laughs> so LinkedIn, LinkedIn would be the best way. So, Okay, excellent. So y'all be sure you find David on LinkedIn. And David, thank you so much. Yes, thank you, Tracy. Thanks for joining me. Make sure you subscribe to this podcast, rate and review it. I'll see you next time.